0: defense. I mean, I've already talked about it. I think the biggest matchup of the entire game is Jermaine Johnson against Blake Fisher. You know, however they're going to do it, Jermaine Johnson has got to go out there, have the game of his life, dominate this kid, make an 18-year-old kid look like an 18-year-old kid. You need to look like a 23-year-old grown-ass man who's been working out in college for the past five years. Go out there, put him on his ass, and go
1: sack Cullen, basically. Damn d you get me fired up. You get me fired up over here, baby. Damn, put D Lou in the locker room, Norbell. What are we doing? God dang. Here we go, okay.
0: Hey guys, it's Terrence Mann.
2: You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Nose.
3: Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka Edu in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. Go live, go no.
0: Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day, No Bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Prime Time Sanders. It's
3: great, Dion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, bro? man? I, I could wake up to that greeting
4: every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, Dogs fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder, Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or die, and go Nose. William
2: Barnum Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up?
1: What is happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Here the Spear presented to you by Noel Game Day. Gentlemen, it is game week. We actually have an Irishman here with us this (laughs) evening, too. It's getting crazy. It is officially game week. It just feels nice to say that. We're back. Football's back. Fans are back in the stands. Woo, we've made it. But to introduce our guest this evening to help us prepare for Florida State versus number nine, Notre Dame, we have Brian Driscoll on with us tonight from Irish Breakdown from Sports Illustrated also. Brian, good evening. We're welcoming you into all of the Garnet here. How you doing, man?
2: I'm doing great. Doing great. I'm ready to go. I got my road whites on. Brought some of my Irish friends with me. And I actually am Irish. So, nice night. I am an Irishman. So, there you go. Ready to rock and roll. And I'm not offended by the mascot, by the way.
1: <laughs> okay, good. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it, too, because, you know, we always get the heat of Osceola mm-hmm. and Renegades. So, you know, we get, mm-hmm. we get a little bit. No,
3: I stuff. think he's talking about the Notre Dame mascot, dude. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah.
1: I'm saying, yeah, I'm also saying that we also get our heat too from You our can man, sympathize. But... <laughs> exactly, but
3: Bo- both are a ridiculous argument for another day.
1: I know, <laughs> you know. Exactly. Gentlemen, though, first thoughts though, Florida State, Notre Dame, I mean, we're finally here. It Feels like we've been waiting on this for forever. But man, I mean, the chat is going wild. I've been antsy. I've not been able to sleep at night. Um, you know, Brian, you're coming into town. We hope to meet up with you. But from up up there, you know, at Notre Dame, how are they feeling? How? Are, what's the word on the street over there? Just the feeling of Notre Dame and the team right now.
2: Well, you know, I, I think Notre Dame is anxious. I think they're ready to get this team going. There's a lot of confidence at Notre Dame about what this team can be. A lot of athleticism. I've had people that have been at practices from outside, inside, talking about how good they think this team can be and all that. But until you get to see yourself matched up against somebody wearing a different looking uniform, you really don't know. Just where you've been. It was like that same, you know, I've, I've had years in fall camp where when I was a coach where, yeah, it felt good about my team, but you don't really know, like, is it that we're good? Is our, our defense that bad <laughs> or is it just we're that good? And until you really get a chance to go toe-to-toe and, and bang helmets with guys that are wearing different jerseys, you you really don't know. But there's a lot of confidence about what this team could be. Now, are they going to be like they've been or are they going to take the next step? I think that's the
3: big question for Notre Dame right now. Um, uh, I guess my first question is, like, uh, you know, Notre Dame's been top five in consistency, you know, uh, the last five years. You know, they really stepped up under Brian Kelly, which hurts for me to say because I'm not a big fan of his. But um, you know, so y- y- you look at the, the the churn on the roster. They've had the, now they're replacing a lot of players. I know they may have have confidence coming in, but there's got to be some c- concern. You're you're replacing nine offensive starters, and was it eight on defense? Not- uh, no, that's a
2: misleading stat. No, okay. they, they, they lost four starters on the offensive line. Like, they they, mm-hmm. they listed Brock Wright as a starting tight end last year. He's technically considered a lost starter. Anyone who watched Notre Dame last year knows mm-hmm. that Michael Mayer was their starting tight end last year. So okay, they so- lost four starting offensive linemen, a quarterback, and two receivers. So I mean, they lost a lot from the starting lineup. Defensively, they lost two, five starters. I believe from their mm-hmm. defense last season. Now they were good starters. A lot of those guys in the NFL now, but yeah,
3: yeah. You so, know. so, so there's not a concern coming in starting a, a left tackle. Sure. Left tackle.
2: Sure. You know, the the question is, look, I mean, this is what college teams go through, right? I mean, Alabama lost six first round draft picks off their team. No one's thinking they're going to go eight and four this year. Uh, Notre Dame has been here before. And that's the difference between this version of the Notre Dame football program compared to what it was from 2010 to 2016. You just never knew what you were going to get from one year to the next. You know, you go 12 and one in 2012, which is sandwiched between an eight and five and a nine and four team. You know, you go to the you go to the Fiesta Bowl, you go 10-3, and three, your three losses in 2015 are to top five teams. Two of them came down to the wire. You know, you lose to Clemson and a chance to tie it at the end. You lose to, to Stanford, who was a top five team that year. They kick a field goal as time expires. And then the next year, you come out and go 4-8, right? That was just that roller coaster ride that we were on uh, covered Notre Dame from that period of time. And then you look at the last four years and you say, well, you know, they go 10-3 and three in 2017. Looks like the program's finally turning, the, the, the t- turning it around a little bit. You lose Quentin Nelson. You lose Mike McGlinchey. You lose Josh Adams. I mean, you lose Alize. I mean, you lose a lot of different starting. Alize McDermott Smythe. Uh, they they had a plenty of personnel loss from that 2017 team. How are you going to replace Quentin Nelson? How are you going to replace Mike McGlinchey? Two top ten picks. Well, the next year they go out go and feed it in the regular season. You know, we've been here before. Uh, Notre Dame lost two starting, two drafted defensive ends in 2018, 2019. Then, or excuse me, 2019, 2020 defensive line was every bit as good, even more disruptive than the 2019 line. And that's what good programs are supposed to be, right? Like that's what Florida State went through for. I mean, how do you finish in the top five for how many over a decade you're going to lose players all the time. It's just your program is healthy enough. You've recruited well enough. You've developed well enough to where you kind of reload instead of rebuilding. And that's where Notre Dame thinks that they are. And we're going to find out if that's true as we get through these next, these next 13 weeks.
3: Uh, I just think maybe they were maxed out last year. But that's Maxed out how?
2: And uh, Could you just explain what you mean by that?
3: So um, I felt I last year they had a lot of – I think they were an older team last year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think that experience-wise, it's probably Brian Kelly's best team. Um, I I just have a hard time believing that going into a season-opening game, whether it's Florida State or whatnot, you know, that's we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. I have a hard time going into a a, a an away game in, in an atmosphere that's going to be electric with a quarterback that's brand new. They have four new offensive linemen. They have all new wide receivers. They return a great linebacker and Drew White and the, the, maybe the country's best defender other than Keon Thibodeau and, and Kyle Hamilton. But you have a new defensive coordinator and a new scheme. Uh, you know, I understand having confidence, but there's—I don't know, man. Going into the season, you know, I, I think last year was their best shot to 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 make it the entire way in my opinion. And, you know, yeah, they recruited well and they developed well. And I think this is going to be a test on on just how well uh, Brian Kelly and his staff can continue to develop. Because I I think that, you know, we kind of joked around a little bit, you know, on about how easy their schedule is. And, and, you know, I I think that's going to help them in the long run. I think that this is just a game that helps FSU where it's out on the schedule. I'd be much more concerned if Notre Dame was game five or six when they have more continuity and the team is juggled more. I think it's an opportunity more for Evershue to catch in game one. So, uh, you know, I, I think that to lo- to bring in four new offensive linemen, um, I, I, I think that when I say maxed out, they had the best offensive line in the country last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can't say that starting four new offensive linemen. I'm sorry. And, you
2: can't say... Well, I don't and, think and anyone's saying that they're going to be the
3: Two freshmen, right? And Blake Fisher... Uh, One and, freshman. And, and what's that? Rocco...
2: Sp- One freshman. Rocco's so, so not Rocco's, starting.
3: Rocco is not going to start? Okay.
2: No. So... No. Zeke Carell starting, who so, started against North Carolina and Alabama last
3: year. Okay. So so
2: let me address a couple of these things, Nate, because you're bringing up good points, and those are a lot of the things that Notre Dame fans ask kind of heading into the offseason, right? Like, how do you replace these guys mm-hmm, and these yep. guys? Well... You know Notre Dame goes ten and three in two thousand seventeen. They lose Mike McGlinchey and lose Quentin Nelson. Can mm-hmm. we all agree that none of the guys in Notre Dame lost were as good as Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey, right? I love the next love year they Quentin went twelve Nelson, and zero, they, right? I love. Quentin they also Nelson. lost Alex Bars, who was their best defensive offensive lineman in of twenty eighteen. He mm-hmm. was the next great offensive lineman. He goes down in September that year, and they still went out and went twelve and zero that year. Uh, when you talk about Jack Cohn, he's new to Notre Dame. He's not new as a starting quarterback. I mean, this is a guy that led Wisconsin to 10 wins, Mm -hmm. uh, went on the road against Minnesota late in the year, a top 10 Minnesota team, led him to a win in that game. Uh, Talking about a guy that, um, you know, in in Jack Cohn, that played in the Big Ten Championship game against Ohio State, played in the Rose Bowl. Uh, So clearly a guy that that has been in these big environments. Now, again, Florida State's a tough environment. Been there, right? I was down there in 2014 for the Notre Dame game in 2014. But the thing about Notre Dame huh Oh, it was a phenomenal game. <laughs> yeah. i didn't like the ending but if you're a fan of college <laughs> football it's a tremendous game yeah. to, to be at and be a part of uh you know but but the thing about notre name is this is not these environments are 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 things these kids kind of go through on a consistent basis uh you know last year was a kind of a weird year Maybe because nobody got to... go ahead it...
3: no, no, go, sorry there's there's a little lag there i thought you were dumb go ahead
2: no, but so, so again, you know, you talk about Jack Cohn, he's new to Notre Dame. He's not new to being a starting mm-hmm. quarterback and, and being a starting court. He played in the Rose Bowl, right, against Oregon, had, you know, lost by a point to Justin Herbert in Oregon that year. So he's not a new quarterback. The other thing I look at too is you, you, you focus on the one freshman, right, Blake Fisher, which is, mm-hmm. I think that is a legitimate concern as I – I was on the radio the other day, and they'd say, hey, what do you think about Blake Fisher? I think he's going to play like a freshman. He's going to have some moments where he looks like mm-hmm. a 6'6", 335-pound future top 10 NFL draft pick. And then there's going to be other plays mm-hmm. where he looks like a true freshman, right? I mean, that's what he's going to mm-hmm. do. Uh, but you look at the the players around him. Jarrett Patterson's a two-year starter, right? He's a guy that mm-hmm. people are looking at as an All-American. Kane Madden's a preseason All-American, although I am not someone who buys that hype. I think being an All-American at Marshall is a whole different universe than being an All-American in Notre Dame, right? But he's at least a veteran mm-hmm. player that's a three-year starter. Zeke Correll is the starting left guard. He started two games last year against North Carolina and Alabama. And then Josh Lug, the starting right tackle, has nine career starts. So it's not like you're throwing a bunch of young guys into the lineup. You're throwing guys into the lineup that have played big-time football. You know, Josh Lugg got five starts at the end of the 2019 mm-hmm. season when Robert Hainsy, who was picked in the third round by the by the Bucks recently, went down with a leg injury. They also lost their starting right guard the game before against Michigan. They go out the last stretch of this of the season down two offensive linemen, and they go out and and dominate those final five opponents. Now again, it wasn't like Murder's Row. It was Boston College. It was Navy. It was Iowa State and Stanford and Duke. But still, when you recruit the way that Notre Dame does, if you're putting juniors and seniors, and in Josh Lugg's case, a fifth-year senior in the lineup, no, you're not going to be as good as you were last year. But not being as good as they were last year means you have the ninth best offensive line in the country instead of the best offensive line. And I think that's the question that Notre Dame has is, what's the drop-off going to be like, right? Is it going to be a drop-off from we had the best line Mm -hmm. in the country? And I do think Notre Dame had the best line in the country until Jarrett Patterson got hurt. I think once they lost him, that was kind of the glue, and they weren't as good in the final few games, but that's a different argument for a different day. Um, But is the drop-off mean they're going to be the 30th best O-line, the 20th best O-line, the 10th best O-line? The other part about it, when you look at it from a skill skill player standpoint, you are returning an all-American caliber running back. You're returning a guy in Chris Tyree that played a lot last year. You know Kevin Austin and or and Brayden Lindsay are guys that were expected to be part of the rotation last year. Br- Brayden Lindsay has plenty of experience. They both had injuries, which kind of cost them. So they were going to be starters last year. So again, the point being, Notre Dame's not throwing a bunch of guys that have mm-hmm. never played football before in the lineup, and exception of Blake Fisher. If if that were the Correct. case, Nate, I'd right. probably be a little bit more concerned about it. Mm-hmm. If they were throwing a bunch of guys so, who just never really just played meaningful of, snaps, yeah. things like that.
3: Oh, I just want to retort. Uh, (laughs) uh, So, you know, maybe I'm a little bit scorned. You know, Florida State is um, very familiar with former Wisconsin quarterbacks that had a lot of success at Wisconsin. You know, a guy who had 26 wins um, led Wisconsin to all these big games, and he was horrible at FSU. Mm -hmm. So I really question a guy who – was a good fit for the Wisconsin offense, what they'd like to do offensively. But you come to Notre Dame, and Notre Dame's got to push the ball down the field this year, um, mm-hmm. which we can talk a little bit about later. Um, but, you know, to have the best offensive line in the country and still be 34th in, in offensive explosiveness, still be 73rd in finishing drives, you know, those are two advanced metrics that really tell you about a team. And, and, and they weren't even in the top 25%. When you talk about finishing drives, they were 73rd. They finished mm-hmm. 77% of the drives at Red zone. So I think there's going to be a fall-off. Uh, you know, I, I just don't really – Well, because you're looking at it from what height. Notre
2: Dame was, right? That's yeah, no, the point. What I'm telling you as someone who follows Notre from Dame from is – is, What's that?
3: I'm looking at the carryover from one season to the...
2: I understand that, but what I'm trying to tell you, if you let me finish a point real quick, is you're looking at it for what Notre Dame was. What I'm trying to tell you is that the guys that were expected to be the top players for Notre Dame last year got Mm -hmm. injured in fall camp. They weren't going through last season with their full (coughs) allotment of of playmakers. So you look at Kevin Austin, you look at Brayden Lindsay, and you look at Lawrence Keyes, those were expected to be their playmakers last year. Mm -hmm. Kevin Austin got hurt in July. Tried to come back middle of the season, played a couple games, caught a pass, and then broke his foot again. He was out for the year. Brayden Lindsey got mm-hmm. hurt. This was a guy that in 2019 averaged 23 yards a catch, 15 yards a carry on 13, on 13 carries. Last year, he averaged nine yards a catch on seven catches because he was hurt all year, right? So, again, I, what I'm telling you is, I mean, you can believe it or not, is I'm pretty mm-hmm. familiar with this program, and what they were last year was essentially – we have guys going down. Lawrence Keys got sick. He was out with COVID at one point in time, had another illness another point in time. They had a true freshman tight end. They basically said, we have the best line in the country, and we play a weak schedule, and we have a great defense. We're not going to give other teams a chance to beat us by mm-hmm. doing these different things that they have done in the past. We're going to pound it. We're going to run the ball, and we're going to yep. get W's. When yeah, Notre Dame did have to open control. it up, they were able to do that, right? You saw what they did early against Clemson. You saw what they did late against Clemson in that in the regular season game. When they had to stretch the field, they were good at it. I mean, they did it against Florida State last year. I mean, if you go back and watch that mm-hmm. game, you know, there were plays where Florida State was literally nine guys within four yards of the line of scrimmage. You know, one of Kyron Williams' long runs, he had to make Janarius Robinson miss in the backfield because nobody there weren't enough guys to block him. Well, I don't
3: think that's something to be proud about. I think everyone did that.
2: <laughs> well, the, the point being that yeah. Notre Dame was able to stretch the field against them last year. Javon yeah. McKinley obviously beat Jerry Jones a couple times. He beat mm. Asante Samuel a couple times. You know, Notre Dame was able to make some of those big plays. And that was after Notre Dame hadn't played mm. football in a month because of COVID. So you can look at for Notre Dame for what they were and just assume, well, that's the best they had. But what I'm telling you is they did that because that's what they had to do because of the guys that they had lost throughout the course of the season which I mm-hmm. think is a testament to, to, to just how good that line was last year, to your mm-hmm. point, Nate, that they were able to carry the team despite all those injuries. Uh, you know, There was one point in time where they went two weeks in fall camp where they had to convert a linebacker. Uh, I'm trying to remember who the other guy was. And a receiver to running back, because they only had one running back that wasn't in the COVID protocols. Right mm-hmm. Now, the good thing about that is the one running back that was still there was Kyron Williams. He turned out to be okay. But he wasn't expected to be their starting running back last year. So I, I again you can and you can talk about you know uh, Alex Hornerbrook, who you know, like you said won some games at Wisconsin. I think wasn't he mm-hmm. the quarterback the year they went 13 and one, I believe. Mm-hmm. But if you look at Jack Cohn's numbers and you compare Jack Cohn's numbers to Hornerbrook's numbers and then you compare his game, you break down the all 22 and you say, you know what this guy had a five percentage point completion between Russell Wilson and Jack Cohn. So from 2011 to 2019, there wasn't a quarterback to play to Wisconsin. That was when within five percentage points of Jack Cohn's sixty nine point six completion rate, there wasn't mm-hmm. a single quarterback during that stretch that had as good of a QB rating as what Jack Cohn did. So you you look at the and you compare it to what the other quarterbacks did, it wasn't close. Jack Cohn had significantly better numbers. Then you dive into the film and you say, this is a guy that does throw with great anticipation. This guy does have a better arm than what Alex Hornerbrook had. This guy does have ability to throw the ball downfield, and so. He fits this offense really well. Is he a future top 10 NFL draft pick? I'm not saying that, but he doesn't need to be. And I think he brings an element to this Notre Dame offense that, honestly, they lacked with Ian Book, which was the ability to throw the ball downfield. Ian Book was just not a guy that was going to throw the ball downfield. Jack Cohn is a more willing downfield passer when given that opportunity.
1: I think one thing to note, too, with what Hornibrook had was – you know Willie Taggart here in town. I, I'm, I'm worth noting that too, what he was dealing with too. But he also staff. wasn't a
2: super talented quarterback. I mean, no, I, I, we can no, all agree on that, but yeah.
1: Yeah, and I don't think we were expecting that. Whatever Willie
2: Taggart him. touched did not turn out. Uh, yeah. turn
1: out. One thing I want to note, and I've seen a few <laughs> pieces that you've wrote on, Brian, is someone, you know, speaking of Gendacone, you know, there's a guy named Jermaine Johnson, you got Keir Thomas, and I know you've talked a little bit about them on your show along with your articles. And, you know, what is y'all's, you know, expectations for them of protecting the quarterback there? Because you know Florida State and Adam Fuller, they're gonna wanna get after him. You know, it's not just gonna be Jermaine they're sending mm-hmm. off the side, they're gonna send a gainer with number thirty three. Um, they're gonna use Jamie Robinson, which I know you've noted on a lot, but kinda give me your thoughts on what Florida, on what Notre Dame is thinking, getting prepared for this game with that pass rush.
2: I think they see a more athletic front seven than what they faced last year. You know, I think Jermaine Johnson, who Notre Dame has faced. You know, Notre Dame went against Jermaine Johnson in 2019 when they played at Georgia. He had a really key pressure late in that game, so they're going to be familiar with what what he brings to the table. But I – I think Florida State's defensive line is going to do two things better this year, and I think Notre Dame is aware of that. Number one is they got a little bit more juice on the edge this year than they did last year, all right? I think Jermaine brings that. Mm -hmm. I think Kyrie Timas, I don't see him as a guy that brings necessarily more pass rush juice, but I think what he brings is a much better edge setter against the run than what they had last year. And I think one of the issues of Florida State had on defense last year is their defensive ends, to me, freelanced way too much, weren't great at setting the edge, and got beat a lot. I mean, they just – I mean, I talk about the play where – Janarius Robinson comes off the edge and he's got Kyron Williams in his sights and Kyron just does this little move and you you can't do that if you're going to be a good defense. So I do think, and I've talked about this, I'm sure you guys have heard me when we did our Florida State previews, I, I think there were some guys that they needed to get rid of that they needed to move on to create a better culture. That more than anything, that's the thing that Willie Taggart ruined, in my opinion, as an outsider looking in, was you created a culture that you just can't win with. And I think you've got some of these, by bringing in some of these guys, like Jamie Robinson, for example, right? Is he a guy that you want in coverage a whole whole lot? No, not really. He gave up, I think, 75% completion percentage at South Carolina. But he brings an attitude as a run defender that you just didn't have last year in the secondary. And so I think between him and Thomas and then Jermaine Johnson with athleticism, now your young linebackers, you know, Dix, Deloach, Gaynor, they're all a year older. Those guys are now going to, I think, be more effective. And I think that's going to be the key for Florida State is I think they're better prepared to be a, 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 a at least a quality run defense this year at the minimum. And that's the thing that hurt them because last year everybody could just come out and run on them. And they had to commit so many resources in the box to stopping the run that, of course, you got exposed on the perimeter in the pass game. So I think that, to me, is a key that Notre Dame is going to be prepared for that. I think they see that. They know what these guys can bring to the table and they know that they're going to have to be able to make some plays on the perimeter but also still find ways to be able to run the football against what is probably going to be a, a more physical at least and a more discipline. I think this is the biggest thing is the discipline part. We've talked about this in our show a lot. Teams that had brand-new coaches last year, it was the worst year to make mm-hmm. a coaching change. Now, you didn't know it when you made the change, right? No, We didn't, couldn't anticipate that COVID was going to do to the offseason what it did, but it was the worst year to have a coaching change. So no spring ball – you know, summer workouts are limited. You can only have X number of players. In a, I mean, it was not the year you wanted to be installing a new offense and a new defense. And I think that has to be taken into account, which is why I've told Notre Dame fans, I'm glad Notre Dame's playing Florida State in the opener. I feel better about this game than I would if you had to travel to Tallahassee in late October, early November. Uh, so uh, I actually think this timing of this game is, is good
0: for Notre Dame because
2: Florida State's all
0: Notre Dame has had to worry about this offseason. Yeah, and I just wanted to go back to Blake Fisher really quick because, you know, we you just talked about a little bit Florida State's improved pass rush and obviously him matching up with Jermaine Johnson off the edge. It's going to be a really tough matchup in his first college game, especially, you know, in a rocking atmosphere on Sunday night on the road. So what have you heard about his development so far and, and how do you think Notre Dame is going to help him out?
2: Well... What's interesting is Blake wasn't supposed to be the starting left tackle, obviously. You no know, Notre Dame didn't, didn't say, hey, let's start a true freshman at left tackle. Jarrett Patterson was originally going to move to left tackle. That was the original plan. Uh, he was recruited to play left tackle. The only reason he moved to center was they had this guy named Liam Eichenberg at left tackle and this guy named Robert Hainsey at right tackle who were second and third round picks last year. And it was one of those deals where like, look, Jarrett's our fifth best lineman in 2019. We have to find a way to get him on the field. And so that's what they did, and he became the starting center. He was actually going to move to left tackle. Well, he got hurt late in the season last year, so he was out in the spring, which opened up an opportunity for Blake Fisher to get more reps as an early enrollee. And within a week, it was, okay, Jarrett's not moving to left tackle. I mean, it was that quick. I've talked to former Notre Dame offensive linemen who saw Blake in the spring, and they said, this is the most talented kid that I've seen at Notre Dame. Now, these are people that played with Mm -hmm. Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey, right? Uh, you know, so you can take that hyper, you know, as hyperbole or just, you know, saying, Hey, this kid's got a ton of potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I don't care how talented you are. You're still a freshman. There are still things that you can't learn until you, until you play. It's the whole, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, and I think that's going to be the thing we we'll have to find out. It's one thing to have to defend Isaiah Foskey and Myron Tungvalo and practice when if you mess up, you blow the whistle, you line up, you do it again. And it's another thing to do it against Jermaine Thomas and these Johnson and these kind of guys in a game where, you know, there are no redos. There are no, oh, shoot, I, I didn't properly pass that and get in my depth, so let's do it again. Those are the things we don't know, and, and that's always the case with a freshman. Until you see him do it when the bullets are live and, you know, the lights are bright and there's 80,000 people in the stands and it's nationally televised, the only game in town and all that, you really never know how a guy's going to handle that, but – You know, Blake is an incredibly talented player. He's going to look like a freshman at times. And to your point of how Notre Dame can help him, I think it depends on how the game unfolds. You know, if he's having assignment mistakes, then I think there's things you can do. You can slide your protection to him more. You can chip with a tight end. You can just go tight end over there. You know, Notre Dame has a lot of those guys. They have a lot of tight ends they can help with. Um, I think some things to move the pocket, you know, if Jermaine's just really screaming off the edge – You know, throw some screens behind him, boot around him, you know, run away from him. Just do some different things to kind of get his eye discipline off a little bit. Um, So there's plenty they can do. I think they're going to at least give Blake a chance early to see. Hey, let's see how the kid holds up. Uh, And then if and but you all look when you have a freshman left tackle, you've always got a game plan in your back pocket of okay, if he's struggling with Jermaine Johnson, here's what we go to. Every good offensive coordinator is going to do that, and I would imagine Tommy Reese will do the same thing.
4: We've talked a lot about Notre Dame's offense. I want to talk about the defense a little bit. Obviously, you have Kyle Hamilton, like like Nate mentioned earlier, probably the top three defensive player in the country. Um, great linebacker and Drew White. It, how are they preparing for Florida State's quarterbacks? Because while it's not been announced to start if it's Jordan Travis, who had a pretty solid game last year, especially on the ground, or if it's Mackenzie Milton, how are they preparing for that, and how do they feel going against those quarterbacks? I think
2: they realize that both of them are pretty good players, but the other thing is they both play the game a lot differently. You know, whereas Jordan is a runner that, you know, can throw it he's got to improve as a passer, but he can throw the ball over the top. You know, you point to that North – you could point to that North Carolina game and say, you know, that eight, eight for 19 wasn't overly impressive. But the 191 yards on eight completions was pretty impressive. And there's always that threat of a guy that can run around and you kind of come down and you're trying to get into the box to protect him on the second level, and he just pulls up, throws it over your head. I think that's the fear that Notre Dame has. And, of course, McKenzie Milton can run. Although we don't know how well he's going to run after the injury, but he's more of a guy that's going to hurt you with his arm. So I think when you're Notre Dame, you prepare for both. They've said they're prepared prepared for both, and then you know you're gonna you're gonna alter your calls depending on who the quarterback is. I think the player that Notre Dame least wants to face on a consistent basis is Jordan Travis, and I think the reason for that is is we saw this last year when you have a quarterback that can make plays when things break down, who can make plays when things have to go off script that's where you can kind of neutralize a team that maybe has a talent advantage. And I think i absolutely think Notre Dame does. Uh, Notre Dame has a talent advantage. They have an experience advantage over Florida state's offense. Well, how do you take advantage of that? Well, you have a guy that, you know, you, your end may beat my guy off the edge. You know, Robert Scott may get beat by Isaiah Foskey, but you've got a quarterback that can make that guy miss, do something with it. And that's when you can extend drives. And that's why what Jordan Travis did last year to Notre Dame. The difference between now and then, however, is, there's a lot more film on Jordan Travis than there was when Notre Dame faced him last year. I mean, all they really had was the Jacksonville State game. Uh but but guys like that are always dangerous in my opinion. And if he can improve as a passer at all, that's how this offense could get really dangerous. He's just got to be got become a guy that can just make some of those those he's got to be able to make some of those layups. You know, he's got to be able to make some of those easy reads and those easy throws. He doesn't have to look like Trevor Lawrence to be an effective quarterback. He just has to be able to make some of those efficient throws that then accents his ability to run and make plays down the field.
1: How do you think, you know, going into this game too, both offensively and defensively, you know, the the physical factor, you know, Florida State has been seen before where they've kind of given up kind of on games here and there. And last year was a little bit better and we saw that and that was nice to see. But how do you think going against a Florida State team this year that has a full spring, a full fall camp? do you think this will you know it definitely will have some upside I think for Florida State that we can count on, but how much you know is you know Notre Dame looking into that seeing that this team had a full you know off season to work with and you know they're expecting to have a different kind of product they'll be facing?
2: Number one, I think two things work in Notre Dame's advantage when it, when it comes to not overlooking Florida State. Number one is you faced them last year. Right? You saw what happens when you make mistakes, when you fumble the ball on offense, when you fumble the ball on punt return, uh, when you don't have gap discipline, when you've got a mobile quarterback, you saw what can happen. Right, This is a basically a one-score game in the second half. That's going to keep Notre Dame from, from not overlooking Florida State as opposed to, let's say, it was like the 2018 game when Florida State basically quit and Notre Dame dominated them with their backup quarterback. So I think they're they're not going to overlook at that regards. But the other thing too is, guys, this is still Florida State, right? I mean, this isn't like South Florida or something like that. This is still Florida State. These kids remember when Florida State won a title. This is, it's not like they didn't, haven't won a title since Charlie Ward was here, right? They won a title when these kids were teenagers. So they're it, it, they're going to be up for it because it's Florida State. So I think those two things kind of factor in that Notre Dame knows. Hey, look, we're going down there. This is Florida State. These are guys you played against in high school. These are highly ranked kids. You you know who they are. We got to be ready for it. And that's, again, why I say I'm glad this is the opener, not down the road to where, you know, you play a team on Saturday and then you really don't turn the page on Florida State till Sunday, Monday. Well, Notre Dame's had the page right on Florida State for a while now. And I think that's something that's certainly going to benefit them. They're not going to overlook Florida State. That doesn't mean that Florida State's going to lose or win. I'm just saying that Notre Dame – they're going to have to earn this win because Notre Dame is certainly going to be prepared for them. They're not going to over, they're not. And who are they looking past, right? Oh boy, you gotta, gotta get ready for that big Toledo game next week. You know what I mean? Like, uh, this mm-hmm. is their early season test, right? They don't play another team like this until Wisconsin at the end of September, this is the game that Notre Dame has had circled on the calendar for quite a while.
3: Uh, I, I do appreciate that, uh, you know, they had the old logo on the leg press machine, you know. Oh you know. yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: no, and they had they had Jammy Robinson on there too on the leg yeah, press machine too, and yeah, Jammy I, commented back on his Instagram story saying it's not that deep, and then he said see you on September fifth.
3: Yeah. So you know, um, you talk about the playmakers. You know, you talked about coming off injuries and and you know, all that kind of stuff, and, and you talk about Florida State's defense last year, and they're just flat out horrible. Um, you know, so. Talk to us a little bit more about what Notre Dame expects from wide receiver because I think that's an interesting position. You know, Brian Kelly's done pretty well there. Um, and, and so uh, from my side as an FSU fan who, you know, I follow recruiting, you know, heavily. Um, and, and, and a lot of these guys were, you know, were, we're we're blue chip, but just haven't done it yet. So I'm interested to see how they do it. And what does Notre Dame expect from, from from these guys? You know, well, I think the
2: biggest thing is they need him to be healthy. Mm-hmm. That's that's been the problem. I mean, Ke- we've seen Kevin Austin in practice just dominate. I mean, the the, the the Notre Dame corners that are now in the NFL, it's just been suspended in twenty nineteen, injured in twenty twenty. He's caught one pass the last two years. The talent's mm-hmm. there. It's like, hey, it's time to turn that talent into potential, right? Recruiting rankings. Kevin Austin being a top hundred recruit doesn't make you a great player. You've got to go create when you look at brayden Lindsay, as i said when brayden Lindsay has been healthy he's been really good you know go watch the usc game in 2019 when that was still a good game and he catches takes a reverse and outruns the entire defense for over 50 yards for a touchdown you know he had a 72 yard touchdown reception against navy he had a 52 yard reception against new mexico he had a uh a, i trying to think of a 60 yard jet sweep for a touchdown 61 yard jet sweep against against boston college uh, you, you know, this is a guy that's got home run speed. It's just, can you stay healthy or not? Mm-hmm. That's the thing is like when these guys have been on the field, Lawrence keys in 2019, early in the year, you know, Notre Dame had Michael Young was out. Braden Lindsay was out. Kevin Austin was out. Lawrence key steps up. He's got to start against Georgia. You know, makes a huge one-on-one play to set up a score. So these aren't guys that haven't been in the moment before they've had, when they've had their chances and been healthy, they are guys that have played the key now, Nate, as far as the expectation is, they got to stay healthy, and they've got to be play be able to play consistent football. The thing, the reason I'm not as concerned about it is as long as they're healthy, they'll be fine. It's because receivers, one of those positions where I don't really care what your experience level is. A quarterback experience matters. Offensive line, I think experience matters. Receiver, it's not. I mean, you just go look at Notre Dame in the past. You know, Will Fuller has six catches as a freshman. The next year he goes out and catches 76 passes. Golden Tate catches six passes as a freshman. Next year he goes out and has over 1,000 yards on 58 catches. Miles Boykin in his first three years at Notre Dame catches 18 balls in three years combined. Like a third of those came in the LSU game at the end of the 2017 season because the only reason he played then is because they had like three receivers that were hurt, and then he comes out the next year, balls out, and he becomes a third-round pick in one year. I think receiver's a position where if you have the skill, you can play. It's not a position that requires the advanced technique that, you know, playing left tackle does or playing center does, things like that, or playing quarterback does where you've got to, you know, you've got to know what everybody's doing. You have to have that veteran experience. If you have the talent, you have the talent to play a receiver. And and that's why I'm a little higher on Florida State's receiving core this year is because, yeah, they're young. They haven't proven a lot, those backups, you know, McLean and Burrell, guys like that. But I don't think you need a ton of experience to be at least a good receiver in college. The thing for Notre Dame is just keep them healthy. If they can stay healthy, they'll be fine. I mean, Notre Dame's got a couple top hundred recruits at receiver that are s- barely s- not going to sniff the field the early part of the season, and Lorenzo Styles and Deion Colsey because mm-hmm. that's how loaded the guys ahead of them are. And the other part of it, too, is, is you know you have to look at tight end, too, when you're going to talk about the Notre Dame pass game. You kept talking Absolutely. about what they lost to the receiver. Well, they've yeah. got arguably the best tight end in the country, and if you don't believe me, if you think I'm just a Notre Dame homer, This is what Kirk Herbstreit said. There's other people who have said the same thing. This is the most talented receiver in college football. A guy caught 42 passes last year, which is a Notre Dame freshman record. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Notre Dame's called tight end you for a reason, and it goes back for decades. When you set freshman records at Notre Dame at tight end, that's that's saying something. So you you have to factor that in as well.
3: For me, as an FSU fan, I'm more worried about him than I am the wide receivers. What if um, you're watching based walked, on what we saw last yeah. year?
2: Absolutely, because here's the yeah, thing yeah, too uh, about uh, that, Nate, uh, is if you have to defend a tight end and the run game, that means you've got to condense the field, which mm-hmm. then exposes you to some things on the outside, you know, and and that's mm-hmm. what Michael Mayer can do if he's really ripping you up up the seams. If he's taking advantage of he's because what was the what was the in your opinion what was the biggest. Problem for Florida State last in the past pass game, pass, de- pass off defense for me it was the it was the linebackers absolutely for me yeah it,
3: it, it was that and just not getting to the to the quarterback
2: right I'm t- like as far it, it, I, I I said past defense coverage, I, I meant to say coverage is what I meant to say uh, linebackers
3: it, it, and that's even the same this year right so and for, they got to cover a michael a you know right. who's tradi- yeah they've traditionally not done well against athletic. Guys that, you know, that at play tight end and they can just create mismatches, stretch the field and, and, and they can dominate from that spot. Right. That's a concern for me. But uh, right. while, I'm think- while I'm thinking about it, you know, just to change the subject real quick, um, you know, one guy I was super high on a lot more than the recruiting services was Philip Riley. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I, he's a guy I've seen play a couple times and it's a guy I want to Florida State to to land. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got to ask how he's been doing because he's a guy who like, I'm super high on and uh, uh, is
2: very high on him as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, he,
3: he is a cover corner. Like mm-hmm. he, he well, may not be a, a, you know, a Supreme athlete, but he's athletic enough. And he's just, you know, he has the nuances of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's well coached a- already. You know, mm-hmm. he's a guy who I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch. So, you know, yeah. You think that's someone that's going to play this
2: year? Not again. Not this weekend. Oh yeah. yeah I think at some weekend. point in time he's yeah. going to play. Right now, Philip is is behind. He's probably a third team guy, but Notre Dame's very mm-hmm. high on him. Very high on him. You know they got a lot of mm-hmm. corners coming back. I mean, you know, yeah. you, you look at Philip. I, I still, I still think there's a chance his future could be at safety, and not because he can't play corner, but in Marcus Freeman's mm-hmm. defense, the safeties have to cover. If you yeah. look at how Notre Dame is recruited this year, I mean Notre Dame has signed. They signed four corners last year, including Philip Riley. They've got four corners signed again in the 2022 class. Uh, they got mm-hmm. obviously Devin Moore from Naples. They've got Benjamin Morrison from Arizona. They got Jaden Bellamy from New Jersey, and then they got uh, uh, J- Jaden Mickey, who's out in Centennial mm-hmm. High School out in L.A. Well, like, why are you signing four corners the year after you signed four corners last year? Because Notre Dame wants cover guys. They want long cover guys, right. and if you're if you're a corner who's you know. Instead of taking like this old adage that fans have, well, if he can't play corner, he can move him to safety. Well, if he can't play corner, he's not going to be a great safety either, right? <laughs> they want guys that can cover, and they'd like to mm. have a defense that can do that. And I think the unique thing about Phillip is, you know, no, he's not an elite athlete, but he's a good athlete. And putting him in the nickel mm-hmm. or putting him in a safety position, then to me, accents his athleticism, but he's so physical. I mean, you saw him last year, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. He's one of the strongest corners I've seen in a long time. And he's a really smart player. And I think you getting him in matchups where he's going against tight ends and backs only adds to the value he can bring. So mm-hmm. that's ultimately where I see him playing, but he's still sticking a corner and playing pretty well. So's Ryan Barnes, who's a freshman from mm-hmm. Maryland. But, you know, they're just buried behind guys who who Notre Dame thinks has a chance to be
3: a, yeah.
1: an outstanding secondary yeah. this year.
3: Yeah.
1: No, the... oh, and we lost Nate. There it goes. It <laughs> happens at least once. Sure, or it was going to be a great riveting question. I was looking forward to it. <laughs> It was a little, at least once or twice in every show that we lose, Nate. But I, I had a really good one that I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. Brian. So what is one thing that Florida State can take advantage of against Notre Dame? I asked this on the Mark Rogers Show, but you know, for our listeners here, what is one thing that Florida State can take advantage of against uh, the Notre Dame Irish?
2: I think there's one thing on both sides of the ball. I, I think when you look at the Notre Dame offense, what I would do is is – Notre Dame does not have an inexperienced offensive line. I pointed that out. Jack, you know, Josh Lug has nine career starts. Zeke Carell started in, in the Rose Bowl. Kane Madden's played two years. Jarrett Patterson play has is a two year starter. But they mm-hmm. don't have any experience playing together. And that takes time. I don't care how many starts they have. It takes time for a bunch of for five guys who've never played together at the positions they're at to go out there and gel. If I'm Florida State, I'm not lining up trying to play big boy football with Notre Dame. I'm not. That doesn't mean you can't, but why? I want to get them turning. I want to get their guards thinking, okay, I'm doing this. This guy's coming across my face. Oh, there goes a linebacker on the other side. I'm stunning. I'm slanting. I'm attacking the gaps. I'm trying as best I can to get those big Notre Dame linemen to turn their hips. Because once an offensive lineman has to turn his hips, he's lost his power. He's lost his force. And I think that's what they got to do. And then. You know, picking those things up, guys, requires communication. You know, hey, look, me and you, we're working together here. Uh, when I see that guy crossing my face, I'm yelling out the, 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 the words to you, the, whatever the taglines are to say, hey, this guy's coming across, right? That communication takes time. It takes experience, and doing it on practice is a whole lot different than doing it with 80,000 people in the stands. Or what is it, like 79 now in dope, whatever? Yeah, uh, so, like you, you know, it's it's a lot, right? It's more than what's at practice, okay? And you can <laughs> play the chant all you want. It's not the same as 79, 80,000 screaming people. So I'm going to make that line communicate every snap. I'm going to make them have to turn and, and and work on those adjustments and say, hey, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to, pick up all those things because we're going to try to to make I mean cuz what can you do to stop Notre Dame right you create early down negatives tackles for loss incompletions sacks get Notre Dame in those third and long situations where now you know what's coming i think that's what they need to do on on defense offensively for me it's just keep the game close and this is what we talked about on our show is if Florida State can stay balanced, this is a game. This is game one for Notre Dame, just like it is for Florida State. There's going to be game one mistakes. There's going to be game one mistakes. Meaning, I got B gap. Oops, I went to A gap, mm-hmm. and now Deshaun Corbin or you know Lawrence can kind of bust through that hole. And next thing you know, that mistake turns into a forty yard game. If Florida State can keep this game competitive and and make it a seven to ten point game then you can stay balanced. That's where those big plays can open up. What Notre Dame wants to do is jump on Florida State early and get them out of that balance. Because if this becomes a game where Florida State's got to throw the ball all day to beat Notre Dame, they're going to beat Notre Dame. And it probably won't be close. If they can stay balanced, then they have a chance to, to to me, rip off those big plays that they're going to need. They're going to need turnovers, and they're going to need big plays on offense to keep it close. And, and again, you look at Florida State last year. This is also something we talked about on our show. This is an offense that ran for 199.9 yards per game last year, despite ranking in the 100s and tackles for loss allowed and sacks allowed. Right To average that, what, to be the number, I think, 23rd best team in the country in yards per attempt, despite the fact you were one of the worst teams in the country and giving up negatives, says a lot about what this offense can be when they're eliminating the negatives on their side. And so I think that's the thing that you have to try to do is you got to be able to keep hammering that nail because eventually someone's going to make a mistake and that mistake can turn into a big play. But if you're down 20 and you can keep running all you want because you are not enough game, there's not enough time on the clock for you to come back from 20, just keep running the football. And so I think that's mm-hmm. the thing that Florida State needs to do is keep hammering that nail and eventually someone's going to make a mistake and that's when you can rip off a big play.
1: Well, Brian, before we keep you on here for too long, because we've got so many more things. I mean, Jameis Winston's named the starter our New Orleans. I mean, that should be the biggest thing we talk about <laughs> this week, right? That, but, that,
3: that should really headline the episode.
1: I know. That should be the headline of before anything, honestly. But, you Brian. Let's he beat go out and- Taysom Hill and Ian Book. woo Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, the chat's going to start coming after you. i don't have to come after you.
0: That's brother. a former Notre out. Dame quarterback.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah you that haven't listened true. to my
2: channel the last three years about Ian Book, have you? No, you haven't. That's not an impressive feat, guys. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Anyways. I'm just trying to ruffle your feathers. I. Yeah. It's, it's it's nice. It's nice. It's it's game week. It's time to talk, talk trash. This is what college football mm-hmm. is all about. So if nobody likes it, then go cry and watch tennis. <laughs> Anyways, Brian, score prediction time. What are you thinking? You'll be down here. Hope to see you in Tallahassee. Everybody will treat y'all well. It uh, should be a phenomenal experience. The weather looks great. What is your score prediction Florida State versus number 9, Notre Dame coming into town primetime. I don't have
2: a score yet, and we'll do that tomorrow on our our score prediction show. But to me, I look at it, this is a game for Notre Dame that I think if they can jump out on Florida State early, it won't be a close game. If this game is competitive going in the second half, it's going to be a battle. But I just don't see a scenario unless Notre Dame turns it over a bunch that they can win this game. I think Florida State's ascending. We talked about this in the last time, uh, Logan, you and I were on a show together. This is a program on its way up, but Mike Norvell didn't inherit what Brian Kelly inherited. There's no Manti Teo. There's no Tyler Eifert. There's no Zach Martin. There's no Harrison Smith that he inherited. He's got to build this thing basically from scratch. His his The time will come, but it's not going to be on September 5th.
3: Well, uh, real quick, uh, real quick, real quick. It's not done. <laughs> I'm not done. You know, first, you know, I want to say congratulations to Sports Illustrated for getting the ranking of Travis Hunter, correct? You know, it's great to see, you know, that kid continue to earn, you know, what is rightfully his. And also, you know, just safe travels. You know, it's crazy out there. You know, with COVID and everything, you know, safe travels. Appreciate that. You know, plan to meet up with you. You know, we'll talk and we'll, you know, we'll talk some snacks in person. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk some smack in person. It'll be better but with it, beers in our hands, anyway. It, 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 it's always fun, especially for me. Who you know, I, I have uh, you know Brian Kelly at number four, on my um, most hate, hated coaches of all time on my list. So you know, do you mind if I ask why? Um, I, I just think um, you know, I just think he's just a pompous douche. I'm, so, I, you know, I, I I just I don't understand, you know. He's had success, <laughs> at, you, know, at, 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 you know, at Notre Dame. Hmm. Um, and I think as a Notre Dame fan, you guys are ready to win a title, right? Just as like Florida State fans are ready to get back to that, to that Jimbo Fisher run of when he was, you know, on top of it. You know, I, I, I just think he acts like his stuff doesn't stink. And, and I, I just don't like him. You know, I, you, mm-hmm. know, you know, I would say there's a very big difference between Urban Meyer and, and Dabo Sweeney, who are number one and two, and I think the, the, the I think the gap is very large. I think I know why those guys that. are number
2: one and two on your list. <laughs> yeah,
3: it, you know, but but Dabo's past the Spurrier now. You know, just just you know, this off season, you know, I just can't stand Dabo. But you know, so it'll, it'll be fun to talk some smack about about Brian Kelly and just just uh, you know shoot shoot the shoot the crap and talk about why I think Notre Dame is coming into this game a little. A, a, a little too high, and you know, needs to be ready for a possible upset.
2: Can I ask one favor? If you're going to yeah. troll Notre Dame, can you at least get the name right of the school that you're trying to troll them about? Who? Is that? Too much to ask, Notre Dame? No, I'm not talking about you, Nate. I'm talking oh. about the the chat. He oh, just
3: the chat. By, oh, we got a out yeah. in here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> can you at least get the name right? I mean, is, I'm on. trying to find which one in the chat had it
3: on there. I got to see it.
1: Is it Eric? No, Eric's got Eric's good. It must have been up a little yeah. bit more.
3: Yeah,
2: it was uh, M Roar. Oh man, Bishop Sycamore oh, okay. is the name of the
1: fake school, <laughs> not Sycamore Bishop
4: mean, If you're going to
2: come with a troll attempt, at least get the name right. Is that too much to ask? Yeah,
1: Moore's comment on here says, Teo's girlfriend was lead varsity cheerleader at Sycamore Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's pretty funny, though. What is that with Manti? At least Manti'd get the say? name right.
2: I don't know. He was with the Bears last year. I'm not sure what he's doing now.
1: How's his girlfriend No doing?
2: idea. Uh, you um, know,
1: any, any signs of her up there? And Have you seen Manti Teo's actual girlfriend? She's I haven't seen great. Manti Teo play a snap yet, yeah. really, I'll be honest. I'm you know. still waiting anyways a little trash that, talk
2: yeah I mean you have to have something I mean when Notre Dame's blown you out the last two times you've played it you got to come with something right I mean
1: so that was Brian on our show we definitely appreciate yeah. him coming on to the show but no Brian <laughs> Farrell, thank you for coming on here we look forward to having you safe travels when you come down to Tallahassee it should be a phenomenal time hopefully a good game going into the fourth quarter for all of us here we that's all we want and all the college football world watching on Sunday night it will be the only game but Brian, definitely appreciate you. Where can they find you? Socials, anything, do your shop. Yeah.
2: Out. Irish breakdown, obviously. Is irishbreakdown.com. That's where you can find our site. Irish breakdown is the name of our YouTube channel. And you can find me on social media at Coach D, as in Driscoll, my name right there. at at Coach D178. So you can find it there. And you know, like I said, if you're gonna try and troll, at least get the name right. That's all I ask.
3: <laughs> don't be like
2: man, Michigan fans and be bad at trolling. Okay. Don't man, don't be that. Be aspire man, to be better than Michigan fans.
3: Yeah, make sure you uh, get the Hobbit and eat some of their boneless wings.
2: Nah, Where's this? Boneless. You always hey. got to give me good food racks. I'm going to be in town on sa- early on Saturday. I'm getting in Friday night, so you got to at least give me one good food rack.
1: Hobbit, Hobbit American Hobbit. Bar and Grill. Look it up. There'll yep. be one right okay. by Doak. There's two locations. And got
2: my notepad. I'm writing it down right now
1: mainly mainly hobbit always delicious okay. if you want yeah. wings some good beer some good uh fries everything i got burgers too but uh, they're also a sponsor of our show here so we gotta give them love. but I, you, I, I go there every thursday and sunday night for wings
3: yeah what, what do you like i guess wings i mean about... wings
1: burgers i mean i don't i don't, I don't drink beer so i'm more of they a got, guy they got than a beverage guy yeah Got so everything for you, everything you got, in the world. Perfect. Perfect. You,
3: you got to get, you got to get a gut box and you, and you got to go to, you know, I don't know if they have water. I just want to get that. some
2: nice food to take back to the hotel, to sit down and watch the Clemson Georgia game and watch a little LSU UCLA. It's going to be a great hobby. Yeah. That's why I'm flying in on sat Friday night. Cause I wanted to be, I didn't want to be traveling on Saturday with all the great games. Yeah. That we're gonna
1: see. yeah, absolutely. Brian, appreciate you, man. Have a good evening. Safe travels when you come down here and uh, maybe we'll do a little recap with you too. That'd be sounds great. good. Thanks for having me on guys. Man. Appreciate you. Take care. Well, that was good stuff there. We got a little trash talk. It feels good. We're actually in football season. That's all I needed right there. We're actually in football season. Nate, you got to go at it with one of our first guests of the season. We're we're in mid-season form, and it feels
3: good. Real quick, real quick, real quick. I just find it hard to believe that. Well, you didn't
1: really go at it, but.
3: nah, I just find it hard to believe that a team that loses as much would be as confident going into a season opening game. That's just me. You know, that's just me. I can
4: and, understand. And, I, does it I was surprised and, too, to say Cone's better than Ian Book. That's what I was, I was like.
3: The, the, there's, I, a of, I, there's a lot of what-ifs and situationals there about if this person can stay healthy and this person can do that. And you, and you look at Jack Cone, you know, he averaged eight yards per completion at, at Wisconsin, averaged 194 yards passing. He didn't like the rolled up. You know, he had Jonathan Taylor as his running back. Um. Right, if I'm not mistaken, so I'll have to really look. He had yeah, yes. a good running back, you know. So I mean, I l- 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 let's I simmer think. down a little bit on 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 uh, on, on, on the expectations.
1: We'll see. I so, think it'll be. I think it'll be a great matchup. I was glad to have. Him I, 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 I did do that. I, I
3: yeah, it's good to have a guy who's like
1: knowledgeable. You don't yeah, really uh, get that yeah. much yeah. anymore. I no, knew yeah, his stuff yeah. for it,
3: sure. Yeah, no, it, it's hilarious. good for. You know, it's something we should do throughout the season. Is have these guys on that can really preview the team and give us, a, you know, a, a window into what's been going on in the camp and in the fall season because that's what it really tells you. You can read all these preseason mags that come out in June. You know, like like Athlon Sports has Dylan Gibbons as a backup for Notre Dame. You know, so you know, it, it's really like the 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 here and now. That's good. To, kind of get a real mm-hmm. shot of, of, of what's going on so
1: absolutely before we jump into quick hitters of the week gentlemen let's go ahead and talk about proud 90 best polos i'll be wearing them actually this weekend when i go out to uh, go into college town i wore it at work i've never had so many people talk about it they feel great they're awesome they look good they're great for tournament wears if you're just going out there to shoot the stuff with some of your friends they feel amazing i love wearing them i've, worn, I've already worn both of mine like too many times now i need to wash them actually that's something i need to do but they're stretchy um they're extremely light too and i think a lot of uh fans here florida state fans are actually it's actually ran and operated by two former knolls too so make sure you guys go show them some love proud90.com i'll put the little banner up here for you guys we also have a code for you guys to use ngd20 that's ngd20 for 20 percent off at proud90.com phenomenal they've they feel amazing, and they're awesome with us. We definitely appreciate their support, and go show them some love. Awesome polos. So, like I said, but I, I, I got to piggyback
3: off of you real quick. Like I wore mine out. You know, yeah. and it's hot as hell down here in Florida, and I say pretty cool. Like, you, you know, you wear some some dress fit polos, you still feel kind of hot and, and and uncomfortable. You know, I say pretty cool. So, yeah, I definitely. No.
1: They feel it. They feel amazing. So definitely go show some love to those guys help us also help them. And they're definitely ready for the game this upcoming weekend. So proud 90.com use code NG 20 gentlemen. Let's get into some quick hitters before we end off the show with the, uh, our little game preview and score predictions. So number one, let's get it off. Here we go. Jameis Swenson. Has officially, officially been named the starter in New Orleans. Much deserved. We talked about it and covered his competition through it all down there in New Orleans. But man, oh man, he is now the named starter. He had a phenomenal game, his last one, where he started the game. Had two touchdowns. uh, Threw some bombs, too. I mean, you know, he looked like he was in control of the game as the general. And, you know, we we talked about it on here. That wasn't going to be a competition, in my opinion, with Taysom Hill. But, you know, that's just how it goes. Sean Payton. Time to unblock me. You've blocked me. You blocked me last year when I tweeted you 86 times. Yes, I counted. I tweeted him 86 times to uh, start Jameis Winston. He liked one of my tweets, and then he blocked me the next, like, five minutes later. Uh, Sean Payne unblocked me. But, gentlemen, Jameis starting in New Orleans. And he'll be starting against – he'll be playing against Aaron Rodgers in Jacksonville Jacksonville to start off the season.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about this quarterback battle a lot, and we all – pretty much thought that Jameis was going to end up winning it over Taysom Hill. But, I mean, that said, I mean, it was definitely more of a competition than I expected. And, I mean, whether that's because of Sean Payton liking Taysom Hill or whatever his fascination is with him, I don't I don't really understand it. But once Jameis came out in that second preseason game and started out nine out of ten through two touchdowns, and then Taysom Hill came in and the offense just – like went to a stop. I mean, he was getting sacked, missing passes. It was obvious who the starter was gonna be.
4: Yeah, especially when uh when Taysom threw that I guess it was a pass over the middle that went six oh. yards. Then it wasn't within, you know, thirty feet of anybody. Yes, I'm I, serious, I
3: that- Noah. <laughs> yes, Noah, I'm very serious. What's your question?
1: <laughs> I think and he said that Nate is a bot. You're a bot, Nate. I don't know. no.
3: Is that Noah Niederdouche? (laughs) Is that how you say his last name, Noah Noah Niederdouche?
1: I think it might be. He said, what's FSC's record the past three seasons? Anyways, go back to Jameis Talk. I didn't even bring that up, trolling, but go back, Austin.
4: I was done with my point, but it it was good to see him and Marcus Calloway had a a really good connection. Didn't that seem familiar
1: to, like, Kelvin Benjamin with hey, him if, wearing no, and he got the really dreads. Football.
4: Yeah, that's a, exactly what I was thinking watching the highlights. But I think like, Callaway had, what, like six, ca- six catches? Like he was killing it. Mm-hmm. Just, James kept feeding him, especially that one-handed touchdown at, uh, for the second one. <laughs> yep, exactly. So um,
3: I, I think he's in the best shape he's been in probably maybe in his entire career. Oh, Definitely yeah, by since far. 2013. Oh, um, by far. I think he's I think better. he. I think he looked great in the preseason. Um you know, I think they had to give Taysom Hill a shot because they're paying him what thirteen million dollars a year, so that you, you got to explain that contract, which you know was questionable when they when they signed that. Um, you know, Taysom Hill is what he is. You know, he's a he's he's an offensive weapon that you can use in in a multitude of ways. He's just not a quarterback, and I I, I think a motivated Jameis in in, in a system offensively that with Sean Payton, who's had a ton of success. I'm interested to see, you know, I still don't think that Jameis, yeah, he had brain farts and, you know, played like a, a young quarterback at times, but I don't think he was a main issue in Tampa. Um, you know, I'll sit and argue that for days because of just the investments Tampa's made since he's left. But, yeah. um, you know, that, it, it, it's a little bit of a team in transition. Michael Thomas is out for six weeks. Um, they're going to be really heavily dependent on Alvin Kamara. Um, you know, I'm interested to see the tight ends. You know, Jameis likes the tight end. Going to be an interesting season for him. I, I really wish him a lot of success. I would love to see him just do very well and shut shut out some of his critics.
4: I, I like his windup more too. You know, in college, it's really elongated. Yep. Got a really very, nice It's compact then, now. It gets the ball out quicker. And, la- and like last year, like the few times he threw, I thought it was too compact. Mm-hmm. Like it looked like it was too tight, but it looks so much more free. It looks so much more free this year. I, I, I think he's gonna have a really good season. Yeah, comeback player
1: of
4: the year. Right. Darwin, does this, does this count? I was saying Darwin's. Oh, I
0: don't know if it counts or not. I, <laughs> I don't know I, I, it I, might not count. You know, I don't know how it, it counts. As,
3: as long as Durin stays healthy, he's going to be in the running for All Pro. I really I'm, just think that. I'm, you know. I'm
4: between, between McCaffrey and Darwin, there's, yeah. a, there's, there's a long list of guys that'll be in the passback player of the year or comeback player of the year.
1: I'm excited, mm-hmm. too, because, you know, like you have mentioned, Nate, a lot of people, I, I love the Bucks fan because I tweet, I'm very, I, I voice my opinion on Jameis. I'm always going to be supportive. And, you know, the fact that people don't realize what Notre Dame switched and made a huge haul on actually taking shit seriously and, you know, having an offensive line, putting targets around Jameis, along with, you know, just taking it. You know the team were seriously. You know once Tom Brady came, the difference there with Jameis. I mean, people just are ridiculous, mm-hmm. man. I can't, I can't stand them sometimes. It's all but the Bucks. You know the Bucks fans that are Jameis haters. I hope they're doing good. I cannot wait. I'm gonna try to buy tickets to. I don't know if I want to go to New Orleans or if I want to go to Tampa, but I got to figure out a way to be in the stands for whenever Jameis lights it up against uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks. i can't wait. I'm sure we got a lot of Bucks fans on here, so maybe they're not liking it, but you know, bittersweet is what it is um, but congrats to Jameis Winston he deserved it he was the best player in camp and I'm really excited he faces off against Green Bay week one at 425 uh, in Jacksonville so yeah. primetime matchup there should be fun Aaron Rodgers versus Jameis I think a lot of points in that game and he's got you know Alvin Kamara we'll see if Michael Thomas you know what's going on there but it seems like Callaway is a nice little addition there that wide receiver Uh, Let's jump into some more quick hitters here. Depth chart. The depth chart got released by Florida State officially. What do y'all think about it so far? So, of course, you got Jordan Travis and Mackenzie Milton listed as or. I don't think that's a shock to anyone on this show. No, but going to some other things across uh, the depth chart, you're looking at your two starting corners, which I was looking for, and you've got Brownlee. Not a crazy surprise there. And then I was wondering, you know, who could it be? Travis J, as we saw. Was participating really early on in the fall camp. Nate, you'd heard from a source that he had been. Uh, There's potential that he was going to be practicing there to start off fall camp, and it seems like he's done very well for himself. He did played at Madison County. He was, he's a physical guy at the line and played really well and in, in uh, high school. And then you see Akeem Dent starting at free safety. So he, you know, guys are going back to their original spots, and you know, just kind of give me y'all's thoughts on that. The linebacker room is something to talk about too, because you know it's kind of we weren't expecting. Some of these names to be starters, uh, you know, week one,
0: yeah. I think probably, you know, just to start off the linebacker room, maybe a bit of a surprise to see DJ Lundy and Kalen Deloach get named starters instead of Steven Dix Jr. Um, obviously, they'll be out there alongside Amari gainer And I, I think this is a game, talking about the Notre Dame game, this is one where. I think you're going to see Florida State have to play a lot of 4-3 defense just because of how strong Notre Dame's rushing attack is. So these guys are going to get a lot of burn on Sunday night. And at the same time, I do think Florida State, they're going to switch into the 4-2-5, the nickel, depending on situations. But just, you know, with Kyron Williams and Tyree back there and the fact, you know, Notre Dame, I think they had over 300 rushing yards against FSU a season ago. You're really going to need these linebackers to step up. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
3: That, you know one thing that stood out to me first as wide receiver you know we had heard that Darian williamson was having a solid camp and you know he comes in as second team on the on the first step chart so it's nice to see him you know two years off of an ACL injury um start to put it together um uh, a, a young kid that you know can stretch the field um you know would love to see Jordan young put it to the, put it together but it's just not happening there I think offensive line um you, you kind of knew who the five five were going to be. Um, you, you have some I don't, it's hard to say quality, but you have experienced step with Baby and Johnson and Dun, Dante Lucas. You know Brady Scott. You know a guy that can play. You know all across the line. So you know you, you have a good you know eight to ten guys on the offensive line that can be in the rotation. And then you know for for me the biggest surprise was again linebacker. You know seeing. Um, Cortez Andrews shall pop up on, on the second yep. team and also, uh, uh, Green McKnight, who again, like I said, last week, I love the move of him moving to linebacker. You know, I think he's a guy that can help them in space and coverage. So uh, I like to see that. I think Lundy gets to start this week because like you said, Dustin, it's the, the, who they play, you know, Notre Dame's going to, I think one of like, uh, Brian was talking about control the clock, you know, really try to pound the ball. And I think that's where Lundy really specializes. So I'm not surprised that he's starting. Um, You know, Travis J. you put him in a position where you just let the kid play. He's going to make plays for you. Um, you We heard Brownlee was was competing. I thought maybe uh, Dotson would beat him out for it. But, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of rotation back there, you know, in in that back four. So, um, you know, and, and... I feel really good about FSU starting, you know, front 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 four. You know, Absolutely. there's a lot of experience there. Um, you know, I've said it number of times. You know, you, you don't have the freaks on there like you've had before, but you have production, and, and, and that's what FSU needs, and that needs to carry over. So, you no, know, I, I, I I like the two deep on on the front on the front four. Um, you know, linebacker is, in my opinion, the weakest position on the team. Um, you know, they got to just. Figure that out, I and mean, we'll see what happens. You know, you know, like you said, Dustin Notre Dame just gutted them last year. Where some of that was, you know, just poor defensive line play, wrong run fits, and all that kind of stuff. I, you know, you know, Florida State's just got to play smarter, also this year. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and for the hey. linebackers, I mean, you've got to get Emmett Rice back mm-hmm. healthy, and just to go back to the defensive line real quick, you know. I really do think that matchup um at left tackle with Blake Fisher and Jermaine Johnson that is going to be a problem. Man. It's That's the biggest matchup be. for Florida State's defense in this entire game. I mean, you've got a true freshman left tackle. Yeah, he's he was very good, top 70 overall prospect, you know, he's got a great great frame and like Brian said, you know, he's came in and took over that job. But at the same time, it's a true freshman going against a college player that spent 5 years in a college-strength and conditioning program. And it's going to be his first game in, in a crazy atmosphere in Dope Campbell Stadium. So there's going to be some issues there. And Florida State, you know, whether it's Jermaine Johnson going right at him or mixing it up with blitzes or whatnot, they're going to need to figure out a way to take advantage of it.
4: And, and not mm-hmm. even Johnson, but mm-hmm. Cushney as well, who's super athletic, got a lot yep. of juice yeah. to him. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be going at him all night. I don't think that's going to be a yep. surprise. So
3: great point, Austin, that I was about to make. So you're going to bring the power – in the speed combination, you know, at him all night long. So, you know, he's he's going to be on his heels a little bit. So, I'm eager to see how that turns out. But you know, you know, Johnson's a dog, man, and he wants to embarrass you. You know, I, I think that's something we haven't talked about. I think Logan, you put a little uh, tidbit in the in the Discord at one point where you know players are just call him an a hole. Yeah, is just, it's how he plays, and I'm I'm fine with that. So, no, you know. You know I, I don't care who you are. A freshman is going to have problems. So, you know, we'll, we'll 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 talk about that when it's time for prediction time. So, but
4: we'll see how that goes. A, a couple yeah. things to me when I was looking at the depth chart, I, like we've talked about how young this team is, but then you look at the depth chart, you just go, "Wow." Mm-hmm. I mean, especially on the defense, especially in the secondary, you got Brownlee's a freshman, obviously a retro freshman, but still a freshman. Mm. You got Shaheen Brown, freshman. Cindy Williams, freshman. Travis Day's redshirt freshman. He's been. It's technically his third year, yeah. or whatever. Kevin Knowles, freshman. Like, there's just there's so many freshmen on this too deep that, you know, you, you get an injury here or there, and you're like, man, what's this team going to look like? Um, they're
3: definitely one of the youngest teams in the country again. Last year they were the youngest, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're one of the three or four youngest teams in the country.
4: Yeah, and then, and then this is a little bit more joking, but the the fiercest battle in training camp, lawn snapper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Still says or no starter. Can't even uh, a starter for lawn snapper. Can't you can't can't ruin that surprise.
1: Riveting when we go into the hey. Discord and we figure out who's starting at the, during the pre game warm ups, it's gonna be better than the quarterback, I think. Hey,
3: hey, hey but we, we know the what you know what Norval how much he puts into special teams and how important it is. So, you know, that, that
4: battle is still continuing. Yeah. yeah. At least with Cheryl got named starter for kicker. Yep.
0: You yeah. felt comfortable enough to name a, a starter point. at kicker, but not at long snapper.
4: But, but we,
3: know, we know historically that the long snapper also has had a lot of success off the field at FSU. So you got to make sure it's someone that represents uh, you know, the rich tradition the that Fort State has at long snapper. <laughs>
1: yeah. I was going to note too real quick, you know, you were talking about true freshman, you know, Joshua Farmer is being put in there. And I don't think – I think he's going to be in the rotation, guys. I mean, what he happened to the, True Thompson? True does Thompson does is he 90, in, man. Where's True Thompson. Where's he at? I don't know. But Joshua Farmer, I think, has kind of slid mm-hmm. in. And he's going to be a guy that I think Adam Fuller noted on, a few of those youngins like Knowles and Farmer that mm-hmm. get in there and get some early rotation. And mm-hmm. I think it's going to be fun to watch him because he's a guy that showed up. Well, even before showing up, he was already working out a ton. We got to see his post videos on, on Twitter. He was already working on himself a ton, doing a lot of training. And then once arriving, I mean, it just you know exploded. And so he, I think – Look out for Joshua Farmer, number 44. We know who recently, you know, wore number 44 uh, with Demarcus Walker. We'll see if he's able to live up to that kind of number that he left with. So, um, well, well, I'm interested to see him. Keep an eye on Farmer. I'm, it's a kind of a late, late sleeper guy this week on game week to watch out for. Uh, let's see. Jumping into the rest of some quick hitters before we jump into some game previews. These stuff. haven't
3: been very quick, Logan.
1: Well, because we like to talk and it's game week. So, you know what? Extra content. This this is
3: just call them hitters.
1: They're, I think they do need to be hitters, honestly. Anyways, uh, NFL Knowles cut, it is cutting season, gentlemen, and the NFL for some FSU former Knowles. Some denote here Devontae Freeman cut, Jack West Patrick, which you know, we were a little shocked there, Nate. We talked about it in our group chat, Derek Kelly, Bobby Hart, Ryan Izzo. Terrence Smith and Trey Marshall, all of those guys have been let go. Some guys to note that have made the 53-man the roster, one of them being Gabe Neighbors. There was a lot of speculation, at least on the Chargers side of things and the, what I did a little research into. They were kind of wondering if he was going to make it or not. He missed a little bit of practice in the last you know week or so. He's going to be making the team, uh, which is a great,
4: great – Trey add. Marshall got picked up by the Chargers. I was to say he's definitely going to go to an L.A. team. I mean, that's just – no, as close him added up. So, yeah, he signed with the Chargers.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, so that that's kind of like the cuts there. Devonte Freeman sadly didn't make it with the Saints, and you mm-hmm. didn't have that reunion officially with Jameis Winston. Uh, oh, he didn't have you... a good
0: preseason. I mean, honestly, like his stats weren't very good, and he's not really a guy that plays special teams. So to have him as your third down or your third running back, it just he doesn't bring a lot of value. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, he's not I, producing. I, I,
3: I hate to say that Freeman's career is over, you know, the, the, the average, you know, I think it's a year and a half is the average career for a running back. They don't even make your second contract. So he got to make it to a second contract, made money. But, you know, we're talking, you know, seven, eight years in, I, I, I you know, his career is over. And he, he had a really solid, you know, three to four years in Atlanta. So, you know, I think he's had a solid career, Um, you know. Get out while you can, while you're healthy, and you know move on to other ventures. Um, for me, the biggest surprise was Jaquise Patrick. I thought he was going to make it. Um, yeah. Got he had a lot of playing time in, in the uh, in the preseason. You know, I watched the Bengals a couple times. Um, especially, you know, when I was out early with COVID and sitting at home watching TV, he played a lot. Even in the last game, he played a ton, and, and he ran really well. Um, kind of surprised. you know, know, with uh, the lack of depth that the Bengals have behind Joe Mixon, but you know, I'm sure he'll get picked up maybe by the practice squad, so we'll see what happens with that.
1: Best of luck to all of them, most certainly. Mm -hmm. Um, Just the way it goes, business, man, it it stinks, but it's kind of, you're getting that 2013, that 2010, that kind of like that, it's crazy to see, but that time is passing by, guys, and, you know, there's only a few left standing, and you know, we'll see, but <clears throat> the big news yeah, no, obviously I that I mean it's tough. I don't I mean, know if
0: it's correct, but I was looking at the Seminoles.com page, like to see the FSU football players currently in the NFL. And if if the numbers are right um after these cuts in Florida State, you know, they now have less than thirty active players in the NFL, which when is the last time that happened? Two thousand six
3: and seven, that probably that the end of the Bowden era? Mm -hmm. And and, and you look at a guy like Bobby Hart, you know, he entered FSU young, 17 years old, graduated or or left Florida state at 21. You know, he's been in the NFL for seven, eight years. And he's, he's still, you know, I I won't be surprised if he gets picked up somewhere, you know, still has started
0: over 60 games, which is something that kind of surprised me. I mean,
3: he's played a ton in the NFL. Um, I won't be surprised if he gets picked up, but, you know, like you said, uh, that's just indicative of the end of the Jimbo Fisher era into the you know the first year of Tiger. So I just told you the, the sheer recruiting misses that changed the trajectory of the program.
1: Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and jump into some our little quick game preview here and give our score predictions and key players for the game. Before we do that, let's give some love to our sponsors also for tonight's show, which is Manscaped. Definitely appreciate them showing some love to us. Uh, I recently used it last week. I will have to say, by far, I mean, the enhancements they made on the, the Razor, phenomenal. I got to say that the lighting, I did not know this. I didn't think it'd be like do much. I know Nate talked about it last week, but the lighting on the razor clutch works out perfect. No <laughs> nicks, no nothing. It works smoothly. I'm feeling great. I'm ready for the game this upcoming weekend. Uh, but practically talk a little bit more about it. The Lawnmower 4.0 allows you to customize your trim all over additional guard links with sizes one to four. Uh, also has wireless charging. Did you ever know that you have something that can Cut your ball hair that also charges wireless. I mean, I mean, uh, come on now, twenty
3: first century. I will say, Dustin would probably be good for all your back hair too. You know, <laughs> just to help turn that off. When, yeah. when yeah. have you
0: seen my bare back, Nate?
1: That's kind of concerning.
0: I, I,
3: I'm just guessing just by. <laughs> yeah. We can know.
1: confirm this weekend. We can confirm that at the tailgate. Hey, we,
3: you know, we can go ahead and kind of do an ad for them. You know, we can use Dustin's back. As proof of how good it, how good of a razor it is.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. It might work out so well. <laughs> but anyways, if you guys want some money off, I promise you the package, I don't have it on me because I just used it. But literally, use Knowles20. That's the code for 20% off. We've had a few people in the Discord already use it. They said it's phenomenal and it's free shipping. So use code Knowles20 for 20% off and free shipping. The packaging is awesome. The product is really, really good. And, you know, I definitely back up the lighting part of it because that came in clutch like two days, two nights ago. And it, it did me really well before Do my not turn your
0: lights on. Like I don't, I don't get it. I have
1: my lights on, but you don't understand like the extra lighting there that it gets in the in the like the crevices. There. I don't want to go in details here, but uh, yeah, I don't want to go too deep in it. But anyways, Manscaped.com user code <laughs> NOLS20 for 20 percent off and free shipping. Manscaped.
3: I'm pretty excited for some for for, for the boneless wings from Hobbit, dude
1: bone bone in bone no. in wings, bone, bone, in wings. List. Bone, list.
4: bone in wings he's, he's nice. excited for hobbits chicken nuggets with flavor
1: that is true that's exactly what it will be this upcoming weekend nate we will definitely be hopping over to hobbit we'll talk about them before we end off the show gentlemen let's go and get to it right now we'll spend a few minutes about 10 15 minutes here gentlemen first off first thoughts on into the, the game we just had brian on gave us a great rundown on notre dame but first thoughts pack of I, crowd florida state versus notre dame number nine in the country seven thirty. ABC primetime. We're here, baby. We made it.
3: Go ahead, Austin and Dustin. I, I already kind of gave my quick thoughts with you know, with Notre Dame, so I'll let you guys go first.
4: I, I've seen a couple people mention in the comments, like, oh, Notre Dame have scored seven points in the second half last year. They didn't need to score anything. Like, Florida State was <laughs> down and out at halftime. Um, they do have a new defensive coordinator who's, who's really good at Cincinnati. You know, you, you look at what they did last season – I think only one game, uh, an opposing team scored more than twenty-five points. Um, obviously, the American Conference is different from the ACC. But he's he's a good defensive coordinator. How they switch from to a new scheme—that's something we don't know yet. We'll see. Obviously, Kyle Hamilton's fantastic, and we've already raved about him enough. With Brian, just fantastic defensive player. But then on offense, I, I, I'm kind of with you, Nate. I, I think Brian was overspeaking their receiver talent. Um you look at a season ago they just they are kind of bad. Uh, obviously, yeah, it, it's all great if they stay healthy, blah blah blah. But until they stay healthy, it's not that talented of a group. At least so far. And I don't think Jack Cohn's that good of a quarterback to make them better receivers. So uh, we'll see with that. Obviously, they're running the running backs are fantastic. They they killed us last season. Um what was it? Kyron Williams had 185 yards. Chris Tyree had 103 yards. Yeah. Even Ian Book had 58 yards. Like, come on. They just they killed us on the ground. Obviously, that's going to change with Florida State's defensive front this year. That's going to change. There's no way they go for almost 300 rushing yards this year. Hopefully, at least. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully not. No. <laughs> and then we, we've, we've talked about, you know, true freshman left tackle for Notre Dame. You know, they, they've got some experience there along, along the rest of the offensive line. We'll see how, how that works out, but I don't think it's as wide of a gap as people think it is, especially from Notre Dame's side. That, Notre Dame's always going to be a little bit cocky, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't think it's as wide of a gap as it is, especially with the Bobby Bowden news, all the tributes they're doing. Florida State's going to want to get up a play in front of 80,000 fans for the first time. and When was the last time we had 80,000 fans? It's been uh, a minute. It, I, it, it, like, I can't even think of a game right now off the top and of my when, head.
1: And When is the last time all of Did us have been tech, in this- maybe?
4: Yeah, that's gotta be Virginia, Virginia Tech. And
1: when is the last time all of us have been in the stadium together during a game? I mean, like, usually someone's back well, home. It could and, have been
4: the spring game it. if Nate came up, but you know.
1: Yeah, that is true. But anyways, uh, like a real actual game. You know, this this is this is the real deal, baby. We're all gonna be tailgating Austin's gonna be drinking his milk. We're all gonna be drinking uh, beers, like water. It's gonna be real nice. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna silver
4: backs, it's gonna be great, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> shaving, dusting Shave, back.
4: shaving backs, eating Hobbit. What, uh, a, uh,
3: what a day, man! Who, yeah, no. who, who needs the game, you know?
1: Yeah, no, we'll just go to
4: tailgates
3: and we'll we just, just go to a burger after, back. man. We, that was, that be, was, I mean, let's be know? real
4: if, if Virginia Tech ended after the tailgate, everyone would have had a great day. That would have been yeah. fantastic. Day. Everyone <laughs> had a great day tailgating, <laughs> catching up with people, you know? We're, yeah. we're it like, is, it's a all big all reunion day, and Then it's you go to the reunion. game, and like,
1: man. It's a big reunion for a lot of FSU fans I didn't get to go to games last year. And, you know, it didn't feel real. It didn't feel like a real football game whenever I was there, you know, sitting there and it just not not enough fans there. This will be fun. We'll be back like in action. And like you said, Nate, the, the tributes and everything, and like you said, also too the tributes to Bobby Bowden this this upcoming season. Definitely, this game alone, it's going to be an emotional roller coaster for a lot of fans involved. And so, I mean, it's going to be a fun day. The, the tailgating starts at noon, guys. I don't know how some of these college kids are going to be able to do it. I mean, I'm going to be getting there maybe, you know, two three o'clock ish. I know we've had a few people in here in the comments say they need NG bracelets. If you see one of us, I think I'm gonna try to give a few of them to you guys so you'll have them in your pocket in case someone runs by and says what's up. But um, it, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a phenomenal experience. I hope and I hope it translates into the game too. Overall, it, it's all right, be Dustin, a fun
3: night. go ahead. Preview. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm just hyped up, uh, yeah. Uh, Nate.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say, coming into this game, I'm pretty comfortable with Florida State's offense, I mean, I don't think they're going to go out there and score 40 points, but, you know, I think with the experience that they gained last year, carrying that over, bringing back a lot of the top playmakers, along with adding guys like Andrew Parchment and and Malik McLean to the wide receiving core, I'm comfortable with Florida State's game plan. I think it's going to be important to have success and early downs because you don't want to get into third and long situations like that. It's just the defense for me is is really – and FSU's defense against Notre Dame's offense is kind of where I see the biggest mis- the biggest mismatch in this whole matchup. And that's really the tight end, Michael Mayer, going up against FSU's linebackers, which is something that we've already talked about. And then the rushing attack, man. I mean, those running backs, they're absolutely lethal. And if FSU gives them even an inch of space, there's a chance they'll go out and make a big play like we saw a plethora of times last year. So the defensive line is going to have to step up. And the linebackers, I mean, you need a heck of a game for Amari Gaynor and those young guys like Kalen Deloach, DJ Lundy, like we mentioned earlier, you're gonna need them to step right into the fire and perform. And even Steven Dix Jr. behind him, Cortez Andrews is going to get some burn. And, you know, not for this game, but it's going to be huge for FSU's linebackers later in the season to get Emmett Rice back and have him be able to contribute. Let's name some key players. Oh, 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 that, my
3: turn, man. Shoot, oh, man. You go
1: ahead. You go ahead.
3: You, you. Made I out. I have a couple out. things to say. Um. So, I, I I know that Brian gave a little pushback on my whole thing <laughs> about looking at last year, but
1: well, I bet he's tuned in. I'm sure he's tuned in. Yeah. Right
3: now. You, know, you know. Um. I I get it. You have guys who have started here and there. There's a difference from starting week over week to being a substitutional player. There's a major difference to doing it every single week, so I, 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 I'm not really I'm I'm the opposite of him. Yeah, you have some, some game experience, but there's a reason why you're a backup. Now you're putting as a fifth year guy. Now you're starting. There's a reason why. Yeah, granted that you know they've done a great job at, at that position, but you know I I really truly think that you start four new offensive linemen, you're gonna have continuity issues. You have a new quarterback you're going to have issues. You have wide receivers like Austin. I agree. I'm not big on. Yeah. They were. That's what I was trying to get out when I asked them about the wide receivers. Yeah. They were highly recruited, but they haven't produced, you know, availability is just as big as, as anything. And we've seen that from the Florida state side guys, just constantly banged up and not available. Um, so, so we've experienced that from our side as, as Florida state fans. And I'm, I'm looking at it that way too. Um, that you know you're replacing a lot, and and I have I have a hard time just think- thinking that I think Notre Dame's preseason ranking is based off what they've done the past few years. Um, and this is a test for them, despite what Florida State's been the past couple of years. I do agree with him that Florida State is ch- you know trending up and all that kind of stuff, but you know this is a test, and, and I I don't think Notre Dame is as well set as he thinks um but on on the flip side, I agree with Dustin that this game comes down to a few things for me is you know getting out to the passer, but the linebackers man you know they 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 gotta step up and play um they, they, they gotta cover the tight end they gotta have the right run to fit. they gotta tackle you know they they gotta just play better play smart football, so that that's gonna be the that's going to be what ha- you know. The what happens, what dictates this game is it. it, it can Florida State not allow Notre Dame to play ball control, eat the clock, and and, and and just you know put it down your throat? So we'll see. And, and get three spikes.
1: Yeah, jumping yep. in real quick before you score predictions. One key there. player on offense and defense. Everybody make their pick one, and it can be the same as someone else. But for one, for FSU. Yep, for FSU on offense and defense.
3: Um, I'll go. Um, I'll go. I'll go. Jordan Travis, and I say that because okay. you know it's looking more and more like he's going to be the starter. Um, you know, can he consistently push the ball down the field? Like Brian said, you know, hit those gimmies. Can Can he be a consistent passer to open up those running lanes? Because you know, he, he is lethal as a runner and, and, and you got to keep that defense on their heels. Um, so I will go Jordan Travis and on, on defense, I'm going to go, um, Amari Gainer. Uh, I, I, I think it's time for him to put it all together. You know, he has the athleticism, he has the experience. Um, you know, he's a leader of that group, a leader of that defense. Um, uh, he needs to have a big game. Um,
4: for, for Florida State to, to become out okay. victorious. Real quick before I get to mine, we, we haven't talked about Jack Cohn missing half of last season with a foot injury. Yeah. He Doesn't, had to miss, miss the second half of the season with a foot surgery. He
3: hasn't played a year and a half.
4: Yeah. So like, how, how does he look coming? I mean, like all these quarterbacks have injury questions. How does that look? Um, anyways, I just want to mention that real quick. Yeah. For, for me on offense, it's going to be one of the receivers, you know, whether it's Parchment or McLean or Ontario Wilson. One of those receivers has to step up. This passing attack has to be more vertical. It has to be more explosive. Mm-hmm. Whoever it is, one of them has to step up. I'm not going to name a specific. Name, just one of them has to step up. Then on defense, kind of vague as well. I'm sorry. Whoever's guarding Mayer, their tight end, whether it's they, whether they want to put Brownlee on him from the slot, whether it's one of the linebackers like DJ Lundy whether it's Green McKnight as, as a second option. One of those guys is going to have to guard him and, and really really keep him contained. I, obviously, you're not going to stop a guy that talented, especially a guy that broke freshman records at Notre Dame. That's impressive. But someone's got to contain him. Someone's got to keep him from you know beating us over the middle like every tight end has ever done. But that, that's what I'm watching out for, for as far as players.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I kind of agree with you, Austin. On offense, you're going to need a guy like Andrew Parchment to go out there and create some big plays downfield. I mean, to win this game, Florida State's going to have to take some shots and they're going to have to connect on them. And with Parchment coming in now as a grad transfer, he's your best big play threat in the season opener. And, you know, it seems like the last couple of weeks, he's really started to come on for Fort State and become more consistent um, each and every day. I just want to see if that carries over into Sunday night. And defense, I mean, I've already talked about it. I think the biggest matchup of the entire game is Jermaine Johnson against Blake Fisher. You know, however they're going to do it, Jermaine Johnson has got to go out there, have the game of his life, dominate this kid, make an 18-year-old kid look like an 18-year-old kid. You need to look like a 23-year-old grown-ass man who's been working out in college for the past five years. Go out there, put him on his ass, and go sack comb, basically. Damn, d
1: Lou, you get me fired up. Get me fired up over here, baby. Damn, put d in the locker room, Norvell. What are we <laughs> doing? God dang. Here we go. Okay. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with... Hey, Nate, it's nice to be on the same side, baby. Same side of the fence with Jordan Travis, isn't it? It's so nice to be here together and arm in arm. I can't wait for... Sunday night, but anyways, Jordan Travis, I think Notre Dame, like Brian said, they're going to be prepared for him. They saw what he did last year. They saw what he did throughout the season last year. They have film on him. They're going to want to contain him, so they're going to they're gonna know what to do there with him. The thing with him, though, he's got to be able to throw the ball. Got to get the ball down the field, and from what we've heard, we hear all the optimism that he is getting he's – Im- he's improved as a passer. There's not a lot of takeaways. He's staying more comfortable in the pocket. That's going to be the biggest thing, I think, on offense for – uh for you know as a player to pick defensive go ahead they,
3: they've also gotten better play at wide receiver in general mm. yeah i think so, so far I think so, camp, too. so.
1: And I, yeah and i think mm. so too also and i think Malik McLean, you're going to see number 11 out there mm. maybe second or third snap um anyways going on to defensively this one's kind of toss up between linebacker play and defensive end i do think covering tight end you know that's going to be a huge problem that ford state's going to have to handle I'm still going with Jermaine Johnson. It's got to be a big game. This is why he came to Florida State. He he wants his playing time. He wants to be on national television like this. He wants to mm-hmm. to play, and he has the advantage. He has the experience over everyone almost in this room at Florida State and who he'll be competing against. You can't lose to a teenager like this on a Sunday night primetime matchup. That's just not going to be the case coming from SEC. No no bueno. You've got to get after him and cause havoc after the quarterback and. You know, get him off his rhythm. But that Florida State has gotta be ready. And I now if I didn't have to if I couldn't name a player for their game, my coach to look at is Adam Fuller. What we saw last year was was was, was bad. That's just to say it nice and PG here. We've got to see something on Sunday night where first quarter, you know, Colin's thinking about, you know, why did he do this? You know, why did he come and play for Notre Dame? I'm, I'm sorry. I want him, I want his neck. I want. I need to see the neck obliterated. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, uh, well, no, 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 not obliterated uh, neck, but, you know. <laughs> well, great. Now Nate's going to say something where it's going to be uh, even worse than what I said. Uh,
3: uh, now I'm sorry, but if it, 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 the defense looks like last year, Fuller should just walk off the field, drop his headset, and give a. I'm so sorry, I'm out of here.
4: We can't even give him Hobbit it, before he leaves. He's just if the, the defense him. looks no. like last year, he's not making it through four games. Like, there's no way. No. Um, yeah. so
1: let's uh, are y'all ready? Are we all ready yep. for a little bit of score predictions to finish off the show? Let's here? do it, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. Florida State, first number nine, Notre Dame. Here we go. Prime time right, matchup, ABC. Nate wants to go first. He's got his booklet that he's written down all day. hmm So what do you got? For months.
3: So, so months, it so, could so, be months. Let's not forget that Coach Norvell is very familiar with this with this uh defensive coordinator. Um, I think he's facing mm-hmm. twice and he's dominated him. So there's, there's some there's familiarity with with what you know this guy's gonna want to do on defense. So, you know, this isn't you know, a, a, a defensive coordinator that, you know, the four state coaches aren't familiar with. So, you know, that's something that I think no one's really discussed. Uh, You know, I, I look at this team, you know, I, I really think this this is a very winnable game. Um, I, I think it's a great spot on the schedule where, you know, Notre Dame will get better as the season goes on. Um, you know, they've recruited well, um, as much as I don't like Brian Kelly, you know, he, he does develop, um, and he, he is a good coach. Um, but they lost a lot off a team that, you know, when you look at – I mentioned the advanced stats earlier, but they were only 26 in efficiency, not even top 25% of the country. 34th in explosiveness, which was a little surprising with the way they like to control the ball. But, you know, they – 77% in the red zone. So as dominant as the offensive line was, you know, a a 27-year starter in A.M. Book um, – New quarterback, new line, new wide receivers.
4: <laughs> how does this happen every time?
1: Wow! <laughs> wow! It 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 can't. It, it just doesn't get any more story. This is the storyline. This is exactly how it goes. We lost Nate. If you know we're listening on the podcast, people, we just lost Nate. This is how it usually happens. It's always when he's talking and like something big is about to happen. So we should have known this was going to go down.
3: That's, wow! And incredible. Nate, Nate's back. Nate's back. No, We're no. Good. We're good. We're good. no my, 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 phone's about to die, so I, I got to spit this out. Sorry. Spit it. I, I, um, so you know, I, I, I think this is a winnable game. Like I was saying, you know, they, Whoa. the advanced met, the advanced metrics, they aren't great, and, and you know, I, I would, I would predict FSU to win if I had a little bit more confidence. I got to see it from FSU. Um, I think this is an ultra-competitive game. I think that it's going to be tight. I think it's going to go into the fourth quarter. I, I, I think that Notre Dame was at 27-24. 27-24. Fourth mm-hmm. quarter
1: game winner from Notre Dame? Fourth,
3: fourth quarter game. I think that they, you know, uh, I think Kyronians bust off a long run. Um, gets them in field goal position, and, and that's going to be the difference.
1: Okay. All right. So Notre Dame, but,
3: but but it would not surprise me honestly to see FSU win this game. It would not surprise me. It would not. Mm. Uh, it, it's a great spot on the schedule for for FSU to play Notre Dame.
0: I agree with you, Nate. I think Florida State is going to come in um, fired up in this game, and I, I think the first half particularly is going to be extremely competitive between these two teams because Notre Dame, like you mentioned. They've got a lot to figure out on offense and defense. You know, it's going to take some time for them to gel. I don't know if they'll come out of the gate in this game, you know, firing firing on all cylinders. It's going to take some time as the game goes on. Same thing for Florida State. So I think the first half is going to be a really close battle. And then in the fourth quarter, you know, Notre Dame is just going to end up making a couple more plays than Florida State. I don't think, you know, we can really argue that they're the more experienced team. They're more talented at this point. And they have more depth. And I just think that's going to be the factor in the end. And I'll go with Kyron Williams. I mean, that dude is is a terrific player. I think he'll have a heck of a game on Sunday night. I think Notre Dame's going to win in a close one, 34 to 27.
1: Whoa. Okay, now that's – all right, yeah, I won't say anything.
4: Okay. C- a couple of betting things before I get into my pick. You know, Whoa, Notre- betting, no- okay. Notre Dame opened as 11-point favorites. It's now down to 7.5 since it's opened over under is about 56 depending on the site look at 55 and a half 56 and a half whatever um i i agree i think it's gonna be closer than you no know, especially brian thought brian thought it's gonna take a lot for this to be close i think it's gonna be a pretty competitive game you know we mean florida state may not have been great last year but very rarely did they quit you know and overall teams don't seem to quit which is just something i think is important um i think johnson's gonna get after the quarterback get a couple sacks really puts a pressure uh, on uh, on Jack Cohn. How Florida State stops the run, we'll, we'll see. Um, I also think it's going to come down to the end. Uh, but I also have Florida State losing a tight one, 30 to 24.
1: 30 to 24. So we're all kind of in the tight range window here of the score. Uh, I think this game is going to be fun. I think it's going to be a competitive. I think, you know, the crowd's going to help a lot in Florida State's case here, hopefully defensively too um i do think florida state's gonna get a few sacks in this game i really do and I, it's all gonna depend on the blitz there i think it all depends too on florida state on takeaways florida state has put themselves a few times like last year in the point of having takeaways and getting those interceptions and getting those fumble recoveries but god almighty can't pick up the damn ball hopefully they <laughs> spent maybe a whole week on doing that during their spring and also did it in the fall camp if they do that that helps this team a whole ton and the end all be all, though, this all relies on Jordan Travis and Florida State's pass rush. Like I said earlier, I feel confident that there's going to be progression there, but this is a number nine team in the country coming in. I think is, there's a lot of cool storylines going into this, but uh, I just don't see Florida State starting the season off with the win here. Sadly, this to be about the fifth season in a row that they don't uh, start off the season with the win. I've got Florida State losing this game. A good one going into the fourth quarter, where we're, we're excited about at least. It's going to be F- Notre Dame 34, FSU 21, and Notre Dame just kind of pulls away there at the end. I hope we're all wrong here. If we are all wrong, then the recap show will be phenomenal, and we'll have 500 yeah. people on the line absolutely <laughs> like, loving it.
4: Like Nate said, like it would have shocked me if Florida State won. Like, cool. it, it wouldn't blow me away. There, there's... Definitely the momentum. There's this. There's the hype. There's the whole Bobby Bowden stuff. Florida State's not gonna want to lose with with Bobby watching over top. You know, you, you go out and win against Notre Dame, College Town is going to be jumping until Tuesday. Mm-hmm. It's it's gonna be an incredible atmosphere. Hopefully we're all wrong. I really hope we're all wrong, and we could come on here either Sunday night or Monday morning and just me too have the best time. But
1: yeah, no. If if it's if it's, it's Sunday, until it,
4: Florida State proves us wrong. Even though I predicted
3: you to lose a tight game, if they win, I'm talking smack everywhere.
4: <laughs> if Florida State wins, I may not come back to Charlotte.
1: At least come back onto the show. Austin, you can come here and we can both sit down here in the chairs and we talk a really fun game. I don't know if I'll be like, like able to actually talk with my mouth. Like someone's going to have to be a puppet for me because I guarantee you I'll be going to college town and God knows what we'll be drinking. But uh i'm excited for this game i hope everybody's safe travels here i know there's a lot of people coming in town for this uh we will be having a recap Nate, you'll be doing a recap on mark rogers show on his main channel
3: mm-hmm. uh
1: the night a- or the right afterwards actually not now,
3: now we're doing this one monday because it's going to be super late into yeah the i was about to say
1: okay so you'll be doing yeah. a recap so we'll actually have a recap before that mark rogers won at least just for this yeah. week um oh, we'll nice. be doing live coverage throughout the game We've got all kinds of things happening across social media. If you guys aren't in the Discord yet, let me put it up here. I know there's a lot of people on YouTube right now. Patreon.com slash Noel Game Day. That's where you want to be right now. There's been 15,000, 15,000 messages sent in the last seven days. I've never seen anything like that before. It's the most active community. Join today, only $2.99 a month. Dustin, Austin, and Nate, along with other of our staff members, are giving nuggets, inside scoop. I'll actually be in the stands giving you live coverage from my voice inside the Discord, telling you who's taking startup warm-up, uh, starting warm-ups, everything, what the vibe is looking like, everything. It's going to be absolutely crazy. I've got an extra battery pack I'm bringing with me. The coverage (laughs) this year is nuts. I'm just too hyped. I'm just talking nonstop. But um, shout-out to The Hobbit, our friends over there. Go go there this weekend. Hobbit, American, grow the best wings you're going to find. The Garnet and Gold wing sauce, absolutely amazing, delicious. Um, So make sure you guys go check out hobbit they're amazing uh great people there that work too so go sh- go support a local business here in town while you're here um anything more gentlemen we've made it we're here
3: hey i i oh. I, I, just, I just say hey you know for all those listening and watching you know if you you pass by me on sunday you know see what's up man it, it, it's good to put faces you know with names and everything so you know i, I i'll be around um when, when i to meet some of y'all and you know I'm excited to, to get up to tallahassee it's been uh it's been a while for me um you know I, I i i shouldn't go to games in person um just because i don't i don't uh um do very well uh, <laughs> no show <laughs> so, i wonder why <laughs> so um you know but hey you know i i i gotta go to this- i gotta go to this one you know so we'll see
4: yeah like Nate said if you see any of us around tallahassee you know we'll, we'll be Happy to say hello. You know, last time, when I was not there for the spring game, like it was just so cool being at Four Rivers. And stuff. I was like, "Hey, you guys are on that podcast, right?" Like, just come say what's up. Love, love to, like Nate said, love to put names to faces and faces to names. Uh, Logan will have wristbands hopefully to give to us. Oh yeah. Um, and, yeah.
3: and and I got Austin awesome set up to do a recruit interviews.
4: So <laughs> no. going to be great. <laughs> Still not going to happen, unfortunately. As much as Nate wants it to happen, it's just not going to happen. Before Dust the year is over, Austin, you're doing one. I <laughs> will bet whatever amount of money you want to do that I will not do a football recruiting interview by the time the year is over. I will, I will, I will. Whatever, we'll, we'll discuss,
3: just name the number. We'll, we'll discuss that off the podcast.
4: Name the there's, number.
1: There's been a few people on here asking where to James. tailgate that. We do not have a tailgate named yet. I don't think we will be just because I feel like it would be bombarded. I think for the Miami game, it's just a like early, early notice. I think for the Notre Dame game, or uh, Miami game, my bad. Miami game there could be something set in the works there but if you do see us like Nate said come say what's up to us for real come say hi Dustin last thoughts on that offseason saying goodbye to the offseason this is it
0: we won't miss you oh, well it was fun. Florida State doesn't start the season well then we will want you to come back
1: mm-hmm. that was that was a lot of fun we'll I talk it was to you in two weeks offseason we'll make a verdict then I thought it was a fun off season. Thank you, ton. Thank you to a ton. Like Austin said, you know, hearing people come and tell us that they listen to our show, listen to our show in person like that, it's really cool and it means the world to us. So definitely, if you do see us, we'll be all around campus and tailgating. So come say hey to us. Don't be shy at all. I got a wristband for you. Everybody, safe travels. Enjoy the game. It's officially game week. Florida State person number nine Notre Dame comes into town. The Fighting Irish. It's prime time, seven thirty. Peace, and uh, we'll talk to you later.
3: Oh look here, look here. Is this the right place? I don't know, but yeah, dug it out. It looked like it. Let me see. Is this the right baby? Hey, you with the C-section and no kids. It's going down. I know how we can get in because
2: I know job. It's going
3: down. I know young job. Is it going Damn. down? It's going down. This need to be. Yeah. Here we go again. Bad
2: Boy South. Get on feel USA. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Block Entertainment.
3: Yeah. You know I go by the name Niddy, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I gotta introduce y'all. I'm got my, 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 my squad, right? Yeah. Yeah. This a man. This nobody named a job. Young job. He resides yeah. in College Park, right? Yeah. Part yeah. But for right now, what yeah. we gotta do for y'all, what we gonna do? Yeah. We gotta give y'all a hit. Huh? Yeah.
4: In my hey. it's damn the every day hey. Ask a million uh-huh. questions like Jock, where you stay? Hey. Tell a college ball
3: where the chop car yeah. Hit 20 grand, spend a grand at the bar Just uh-huh. about a zone, uh-huh. Jays uh-huh. on my feet uh-huh. I'm on that uh-huh. Patron, uh-huh. so hit like me uh-huh. 69 uh-huh. Cutlass, yeah. with the bucket seats uh-huh. Beat in my trunk, about it just for the freaks yeah. Catch me in the hood